0: Chapter 19 of Money to Burn by Reginald Wright Kaufman. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 19. The Vagabond The trail had opened on a small natural clearing in the jungle's heart. It was walled by sour orange trees and giant ferns. Ropes of vines hung, snake-life from surrounding boughs. No spot could have seemed less usually frequented by humankind. The heavy carpet of moss muffled the sound of the traveler's progress, and no other sound reached Dan's attentive ears. Listen, repeated Luis. He drew in his horse. Gertrude's mount and stones stopped still. To the American, the perfect silence seemed continuous. What's wrong? he inquired, yet he spoke below his breath. I'm listening all right, but there's not anything to hear. The Ares, said Louise. Dan looked inquiringly at the girl. She shook her head. I don't, she began. Louise gestured a command that all talk cease, and then, sure enough, from somewhere ahead, from somewhere along the trail as it cut again into the jungle at the clearing's farther side, there came the crackle of breaking twigs. The girl gasped My uncle your uncle, said Louise, does not go afoot. Somebody from the hacienda, whispered Dan. Louise shook his head. There is no trail there that connects with this one. Shall we go on? No, wait and see, the Indian drew his already stained machete. Don't use that, cried Gertruda. Stone restrained her. Twigs crackled again. The footsteps were distinctly audible now. They drew nearer. Then the escaping trio saw, approaching them, a vagabond pedestrian. On such a road, at such a time, even a beggar proved fit subject for mistrust. This one, as he paused at the side of the attentive group and gazed straight into Dan's blue eyes, was ragged beyond anything previously believable to stone. Beyond things believable, the fellow was dirty, and beyond things believable, he was known and new. Hoglin, cried Dan. Luis looked at him. Was this friend or foe? Stone could not answer with words. He was half stupefied by the recognition. For an insane instant, his instinct for self-preservation clamored for precipitate flight. Could Hoagland have followed him from the coast? How could he know of that roundabout journey to the hacienda? Dan pictured the prosperous-looking fellow standing in the sheltered doorway of Sanchez, and thence tracking Don Ramon as the planter went to buy clothes and fill prescriptions, the prescriptions that had so nearly saved Tucker's life. Hoagland would probably like to put Dan in the hands of justice, but a surrender on the murder charge was part of Stone's present enterprise, and here might be, at all events, an ally against the certainly soon following Pina. The Voyager or the Hawk was at least a fellow countryman, Dan could speak frankly to him and trust to his national sense of fair play. A motion told the Carib to lower his weapon. Dirt was caked upon the erstwhile Oglin's cheeks, and sweat ran through it in muddy gutters. He smiled. Was that the smile of a successful pursuer? Dan thought so, but before Stone could speak, the newcomer demanded, What's all this, a joyride? It's no joke, said Dan, and we haven't got a minute to spare. "'If you were looking for me, well, I'm here, "'and it won't be you I'll run away from.' "'He spoke rapidly. "'Turn around. "'Put a hand on my bridle if you like. "'We've got to hurry. "'If you'll walk as fast as you can beside me, "'I'll tell you all about it. "'We're sure to be followed soon. "'You,' he broke out, "'you must help, and you will, "'if you're a good American.' "'Hogland's eyes were keen. "'I'm an American, all right,' said he, "'as to whether I'm a good one or not. "'Opinions differ. "'Then come along.' The hawk's passenger took off his broad-brimmed native straw hat, disclosing to Dan in a bow toward Gertruda the once-familiar thatch of thin hair. I think... No introductions now, snapped Stone, and as the march was resumed, he continued, You'll want to know first about what I did on that ship, and anyhow what I did there is what got me into this new mist. Well, then... But again Louise interrupted, and again it was with a command to listen that he did so. HE REACHED FROM HIS SADDLE AND TOUCHED DAN'S ARM. HUSH! THIS TIME IT CAME FROM BEHIND THEM, FROM THAT STRETCH OF TRAIL OVER WHICH THEY HAD JUST PASSED, AND THIS TIME IT WAS IMMEDIATELY UNMISTAKABLE. NOTHING AFOOT. MOUNTED MEN, MOUNTED MEN, ADVANCING AS RAPIDLY AS THE JUNGLE TRACK ALLOWED. IT WAS THE PURSUIT AT LAST. THERE THEY ARE, SAID DAN. THEY? ASKED HOGLAND WHO? THERE WAS NO USE IN ATTEMPTING TO RUN AWAY ANY FARTHER. "'Since a battle there must be, it had better be here.' Stone flung a rapid and sketchy explanation to his latest recruit. "'When you were looking for me in Sanchez, you followed a big man in white, a planter named Svieta. He's a crook all sorts, robbed his niece, this girl here. I got her away. Now his people are trying to get her back.' As he spoke, Dan was looking to right and left. His party had not yet crossed the clearing, but he could see that the green walls of the open space were everywhere backed by a dense mangrove swamp, its depths doubtless breathing poison, its surface promising at short distant engulfment to any trespasser. Gertruda might hide safely on its outskirts for a few minutes, abiding the issue of the now certain conflict, but the rest of them must stand their ground. Stone ordered the girl five paces and no more into the jungle. She reluctantly obeyed. The sounds of pursuit drew still nearer. Got a gun, he inquired of his fellow American. Hoagland nodded. Then draw off to the left there and use it from the flank. We haven't anything but machetes. We'll have to go at hand in hand. If they get us to, you try to draw them after you. Break for the swamp on the opposite side from where the señorita is. He translated, for the Caribs' benefit. His own mount he pushed to the extreme edge of the open space, covering the girls' retreat, and he bade Luis follow him there. This last order was no sooner executed than the pursuers were upon them. Two, four, eight, ten. The enemy, muleback, swarmed into the clearing. Twelve. A successful resistance was probably as impossible as further retreat. Nothing to do but fight it out anyhow. They were coming without pause straight at their quarry. At their head and well in advance of the others, the liberated hunchback, perched on his saddle like a big doll, waved an automatic pistol and shrieked with triumph. Dan raised his machete. His nearer ally also made ready to strike. Pena was now not a yard distant from Luis upon Stone's right. The dwarf's wild eyes were all for that deserter. "'Trayador!' yelled Fernando. Another bound forward. The Carib struck, but struck too late. Pina, thrusting his pistol directly against the Indian's broken nose, fired. Luis flung up his arms. He fell from his horse, dead. Dan prodded his own mount toward the hunchback. As he did so, there came a volley of shots and a final rush from Fernando's henchman. He thought that, out of the corner of an eye, he saw Hoagland reel— the gang clashed all around. They closed in. Stone's machete was straightway stricken from his grasp. Of course, the fugitives had been hopelessly outnumbered. Stone caught sight of three peons heading into the swamp beside him. Their trained eyes had, even in the heat of warfare, caught some telltale sign. They were going to recapture Gertruda. Well, there remained the splendid opportunity of dying barehanded in her defense— He reined his horse about, broke through his nearest enemies, and rode at the trio. And then an incredible thing happened. Someone jumped at him from behind. Before he could resist, his arms were pinioned to his sides, and a voice, Hoagland's voice, was shouting in easy Spanish to Pina. If this is the man you're after, I've got him. Only I think I ought to have a little reward for turning him over to you. End of chapter 19